You're listening to Work Tape, episode 18. Welcome to Work Tape. We are back with Sean again. It's been forever. Actually, it's only been a couple weeks since you've been here last, right? No, right. two or three weeks. It's been a couple weeks. Yeah. 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 I never got to ask you about your Thanksgiving or your Black Friday. Black Friday doesn't exist in my mind. That's uh <laughs> You're that's not there super, at the lines. That's a super cliche. I did Black Friday. Let me tell you something. You're not in did, front of the lines trying to defend. <laughs> I did Black Friday once. And I would never, ever do it again. It was absolutely not worth it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, retailers. Freaking sue me. We're in California. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> it just wasn't worth it to me. Here's my Black Friday. Save your money. Start shopping in July. You won't have to worry about Black Friday, White Friday, Blue Friday, Yellow Friday, or any of the other Fridays. How's that? Just just buy gifts that are meaningful throughout the year that you think that that person that you're going to buy a gift for is going to actually want. And guess what? It doesn't matter how much it costs, how much you save, whatever. It's just going to be a better outcome. Black Friday is absolute consumer not retail it's consumer madness which is why it's so entertaining to watch them on youtube it is i yeah i, I like watching it i like watching people beat each other down in walmart it's, <laughs> it's entertaining it's funny but i don't want to be there no <laughs> i don't want to be there myself sam i don't want to be there either <laughs> no i've done that i've done the best buy thing it was that was actually you know what the last Black Friday I went to was um, actually with my father-in-law. And he had a specific goal in mind that he wanted this specific TV, flat screen. And we waited in line and we had a good idea or we had a good time. And he bought it and we got the TV and we got out of there. And that was the last Black Friday. So I, I've actually been to two Black Fridays. I went to another one when we were out in Colorado. And... um I did the three, four o'clock in the morning thing and the coffee and yeah, never again. The whole shebang. Sorry. Well, here is dreaded December. So now I have to listen to Mariah Carey the whole month. You know, I was pretty fortunate in my job. They loop uh, country Western, uh, you know, with what we've got going on. And it it's a fitting, it's a fitting theme. It's cool. Um, it's <laughs> We were like, oh, please don't put the Christmas music on before Thanksgiving. Don't start it like two weeks before or the week before or the week of Thanksgiving. And they were super gracious and they did not start it until after Thanksgiving, the first week of December. That's when the Christmas music started. Why do people... We should have saved this for another episode. I would have gone three hours on this. I can't stand the hype behind it. Maybe you, know, you like it. Maybe you like it. I, I think it's corny. I, I, I like some of the Christmas music. I, I really do. I really like some of the Christmas music. Um, That's fair. I I think it's the consumerist ideology behind it that I can't stand. Yeah, I don't. And how corny and plastic. You know what? People, okay. So people not, put on this fake happiness, this fake cheer every December. Yeah. And then by January, everyone's a total jerk again. Right. Because the bills are coming in from what they right. spent. Or or <laughs> Black Friday, they were just they, you know, they punched someone in the face because they didn't get their their sweater. Just total consumer BS, man. It's 
fake. It. it just plays it, into your classic soccer mom America, like Temecula. <laughs> that's what I. That's what I. That's why I try to totally get ahead of the game uh. and and do little bits building up to that, so that I can kind of sit back and actually watch what's going on around me and enjoy the season. Enjoy the actual meaning of the season. That is the intelligent way to do it. Totally agree with you. It doesn't always happen that way, but I do my best to make it happen <laughs> that way. I'm being honest. So it, I'm, I'm not saying it always happens that way. <laughs> Once again, I'm not perfect, but you know what? I I do the best I can to, to try to make that happen. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to buy into the madness. We'll do a follow-up some more in-depth oh, stuff. I will go way have, into this. I'll have some stories. I'll have some stories <laughs> okay. on the next episode. Bring them. Because it's going to be fun. Bring them. <laughs> For what it's worth, Charlie Brown Christmas. I like that album. It's a good one. I love Charles Schultz. I was disappointed yeah. that Disney Plus didn't have Charles Schultz on there. Apple did. Uh, yeah. And it was it was pretty good. And the music was good. Uh, I don't know the band that played it, and I need to look it up, but... They, that's, that's they match staple. the Vince Guaraldi jazz trio sound. That's a staple, man. Uh, the Great Pumpkin, yeah. the Thanksgiving, and the, the Christmas Charlie Brown. Like the whole... Disclosure, Vince is my favorite pianist of all time. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. he's one of my favorite artists. Okay. Uh, his phrasing, skating is a really good one. Obviously, Linus and he Lucy. He paints a picture with the piano. Every, I mean, yeah, could you right? not like him? Right? Come on. Oh, get he, out of here. It's so good. I get it. I totally get it. He's up there with uh, Thelonious Monk. I mean, maybe people would disagree with me, but all the jazz greats, I put Vince Guaraldi as one of them. He might not be as technical as Oscar Peterson or Art Tatum, but his phrasing and the way he expresses the music. I mean, you got it, right? You got it. You listen to it and you're like, oh yeah, I totally get what this guy's doing. Any, anyone, He's a genius. Anyone, uh, well, I shouldn't say anyone, but there are pianists they can literally paint the picture with the music. And, you know, I would even go back to artists such as like Danny Elfman. Okay. Danny Elfman is, I remember listening to Oingo Boingo back before, like in junior high. That guy's on another level. And <laughs> then to see how he goes and puts things together for, for like major movies. And it just, he paints a picture and he, he forms emotions with what's going on in the picture. And he's, he's a genius, dude. I, I'm sorry. I don't care if you agree with me or not. I, I really think that the guy has got a lot of talent and uh, I know we're getting off track here, but no, this um, is good. It's, it's December. It's just kind of one of those things that leads back into what you're talking about with the pianist that you just mentioned. You know, these guys, if you're painting pictures with a musical instrument for people to see, then you're doing your work without you're a doing picture, the right thing, man. Then you're doing it correctly. You're just doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's that simple, you know. And that's what it's supposed to be about. That's what that's what music is about. So, I feel very blessed to be able to be attentive and aware of that, hmm. and uh, hope that everyone else can too at some point in time in their life. But you know, so you like some piano artists. Um, yeah, Elton John, yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Um, Who's the guy that did uh, Billy Joel? Billy Joel's awesome too. Yeah. Billy Joel's awesome too. I actually listen to a punk band that does a lot of cover stuff. Um, it's actually uh, a bunch of genres of punk bands that do stuff and they've got a whole Billy Joel lineup. What? Oh, yeah. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. It's called Me First and the Gimme Gimmies. 
<laughs> it really is. And they're good. I like them. I like them. They, they play anything from Paula Abdul to Michael Jackson to Billy Joel. Did you say goes, these are punk covers? It goes on and on. Oh, yeah. And this is a, is this a bona fide uh, punk band, though? Uh, yeah. They've got four albums, so I what, would say so. From what time? When did they start? 70s, 80s, or what? You going to make me bust Siri out? Uh, you, you can. Hey, Siri. When did me first in the Gimme Gimme start? 1995 to present. How's that? So... Let's see who's in the band. Spike Slauson, Joey Cape, Fat Mike, and Dave Ron. So mid-90s. It's definitely not the Descendants era. So Spike is from Swing and Utters, Filthy Thieving, Bastards, Revolts, and Ook Hunt. Okay. I mean, these these guys are they're actually pretty cool. It's it's worth giving a listen to. Solid. So it's the mid-90s punk. Pretty much, but they play cover stuff. Right. Everything they play, they play wham, they play all kinds of cover stuff and it's ridiculous and and it's good. It's it's really good. Like I don't think there's one song that it's like I don't like. They play stuff from from Disney Toy Story. You right. got a friend. Right. Punk band style. I mean, how can you how can you not like that? Lagwagon, I mean, yeah. Yeah, they're okay. So, anyways, we're getting off track here. Not really because we were talking about Descendants earlier. We were talking about Descendants. Yes, we were. And segueing from Descendants. Hope. Remember into, that cover? Hope. Yeah. Yes. I listened to it. Into into Sublime. Sublime did some Descendants cover stuff, right? I know they did at least one. Hope. Again, Hope. They did Hope. I think you're right. But I think that was a major influence in what they were actually doing as a whole. That was one of the influences. I'm not So did you actually it. find freedom through this album? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Only 40 ounces of it. <laughs> Maybe a little more, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. 40 ounces to freedom is, it's a very influential album. I think if you like punk and I think if you like ska and reggae, it's got all that. And Bradley and what he did, I think was so relatable to his audience. Like, it just reeked of total 90s and 2000s talent. Like he just, actually, he didn't even make it to the 2000s. It, it reeked of total 90s, just good, solid albums. He sounded pretty um, assertive and uh, charismatic. I think he was, man. Yeah. I, I, think, I, I think he was one of those guys. And then he learned to play an instrument and he threw his thoughts out there. And it's a lot of thoughts that a lot of people had at that time about everything. So it really, I think it really related and resonated throughout the community of, of both genres because things were starting to kind of transition through there. And we went, we didn't have a lot of good rock bands. And then we didn't have a lot of good punk bands at that time. I mean, there was bad religion and there were, there were the few, mm -hmm. but I feel like he related to a lot of audiences and brought him in as a whole, as a group, and almost kind of formed his own audience. And I really respect that. They I think did that, that's cool. They they, uh, they did a a much better job than I expected to mix different genres and to yeah segue and to switch. Oh yeah, the guys were amazing. And it's funny. I I'll tell you a quick story here, real quick. Um, I was living in Arizona. I had bought in like three or four CDs and a sound system for our apartment. 
And we were through our first year of college, our second year, and we had all kind of gotten some money and we had, we all had decent jobs. All of us worked at the same place, us roommates. And I had gotten this album and it was funny because not that long ago, not long before that, I had talked to a friend back from where I came from and he says, oh, check out this band, da, 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 da. Didn't even hit me <laughs> until afterwards and it ended up being Sublime. It was that band. So we were out one day, uh, I had run into some girls and they said, hey, do you want to go to, we're going to go to a live concert. You want to meet us there? We're like, yeah, Totally. So we were all down. There was the three of us. And we were like, yeah, man, we'll meet you out there. So we go down to Mesa, Arizona. And it's funny because it was like an old school, uh, like a like a shopping plaza. So there were like storefronts on the front of the streets with like little brick cobblestone things with planners. And then in the back is where you actually would go in to check in. And so we found parking. We went in, checked in, got our wristbands, all that. They weren't there yet. So we're like, yo, man, we're going to do a little pregame warm up. So we had bought in a we had bought in a case of beer and set it down in the planner, and we were out in front, and so the lights were low out there because the shops were all closed down and stuff. And so we were out there and having a couple of beers. This beat van comes up with stickers and spray paint on it, and these dudes roll out and they're like, "Hey, what's up, man? Yeah, you know." We started kind of just talking, and next thing you know, they're like, "Hey, man, you got a beer?" And we're like, "Yeah, man." Reached out in the planner. There's a whole case of them. So they grab their drinks and we're sitting there and we're BSing and this and that and the other. Like, okay, we'll see you in there. You're going to the show. Yeah, yeah. So they left, went in. We left uh, a little bit later and went in. And we get there. We run into the girls and we're like, hey, yeah, what's up? And then the band starts and they're like, hey, let's, before the band starts, let's get up close to the stage. And we were like, okay. So we, we get up to the stage, the same dudes that were out in the van that were telling us, oh, we're from California too. Yeah, we're from Long Beach. We're up on stage playing. Okay. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> we're like, yo, it's the dudes we were drinking beers with. So it was something, man. It was that was probably one of the best concerts I've been to. We were up on stage, jumping off the stage, backflipping off the stage. I mean, it was a super intimate concert. And this is before like I think they were big, but they were still playing in smaller venues. So this was like 1991? No, like this was like 94. Oh, so when 40 Ounce dropped, they weren't... Oh, it was still it was pretty like 90, Weren't they unsigned it was when like 40 Ounce came out? three or 94. Okay. So, yeah. Because they were unsigned when they sold that record, right? I, to my I'm knowledge. Thinking, yeah, I'm thinking so. Because, I mean, they were literally rolling in this old Chevy van with like skate stickers all over it and spray paint. And... Yeah, man, it was it was something else, you know, and wow. they, were, they were totally cool. They were like, oh, you're from California. We're like, yeah, we're going to college. And they're like, cool, man. Yeah, we're from Long Beach. And, you know, and then we see them up on stage and they're playing. They're playing the songs that I was literally listening to four or five hours before when we were getting ready at my house. <laughs> you know, so what draws you to their music? I think it's relatable, relatable during uh, to the times that we were in that I grew up in. I think it definitely is. Anything but pretentious, you know. Yeah, I'll I'll give it that. Yeah, you know. I think it was just uh, sounds like your average Joe just kind of made a song. Yeah, you know, kind of grew up in the hood and had to put up with some BS and some ghetto. Oh, is it the storytelling that you I really think, like? I think some of it, and and then you know, 
like I said, just just a lot of it was just uh, super relatable to the times that that I grew up in, I guess, you know, and it had a good beat, had a good vibe. It was just fun. It was just good stuff. It was punk, ska, everything all at once. <laughs> I mean, you can't go wrong there, you know, and then you throw some good lyrics in there on top of it. And some of it's kind of obscure, but yeah. Yeah, some of it is a little bit. Yeah. I didn't know that Bad Fish. You know, it's funny. I never liked, I never liked Bad Fish. I really didn't. But listening to the whole record, I'd say Bad Fish ended up being one of my favorite tracks on it. I'm going to pull up the list right here because I totally forgot the name because I just listened to this album for the first time in my life. Oh, cool. Oh, Scarlet Begonias. That was decent. I like that one. Scarlet Begonias is a good song. Yeah, that one was pretty good. Um, But back to Bad Fish, I guess I'm kind of like you. So you mentioned to me your sentiments about that song. Why don't you kind of expound on that a little bit and I'll I'll give my two cents on that. I think the song had good intentions. I just think it got played out and I think it wasn't taken for what it was actually meant to be, if that makes any sense. That's fair. Yeah, that's fair. I, it just, it it never really hit me like a lot of the other songs did. A lot of the other songs, like I recognize the song. I like kind of the the beat and the vibe and it's kind of just like a chill kind of kind of reggae song and that's cool you know what i think i know what i meant to say but i just i don't know man it it, it was that's probably I think my it was favorite something personal that he was going through okay maybe at the time and it never really resonated with me does that make sense yes because it never resonated with me for the exact same reasons that you're mentioning right now okay but Fair enough. I think the reason why I said it was one of my favorites on the album is that it's really probably my favorite hit by them. Bad Fish. Yeah. That's really? probably my favorite popular one by them. I actually don't like the other ones as much. Doing Time's a good one. It's got some some screwed up lyrics, but you know what? <laughs> but that's Brad for you. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, and that's what makes their, their music kind of better than the next guy is because their lyrics are screwed up. You know, I was a little they bummed. Were saying, they were saying things that people at that time were afraid to say, but you know right. what? They were throwing it out there and they were actually putting good beats and good things together with it. They really were. So I think Brad has talent. I had an issue because uh, I was listening to the record most, and most screwed up people do. <laughs> No, well, the, so the production, the production's good, <laughs> you know, and it's, and yeah. apparently they were unsigned when this album even was produced, which is pretty good. Like the quality's great. Yeah. I absolutely. really like what the engineer did. I don't even know his name. I should shout him out when I get a chance, but yeah, I like the quality of it. In fact, the songwriting isn't bad. I'm usually a critic for songwriting because I usually hate a lot of songwriting. So it's a lot of good songwriting. You, I don't even like you. Listen, man, you, it's going to take you a couple of years to critique that because that's all over the board. Yeah, it's stuff that's like from experiences he had in the ghetto. Right. To life experiences. So 40 ounce, the songwriting is is great considering the circumstance that he was in and just the perspective. I think he does a really good job in trying to express where he's from. It's literally expressing where he's from and and literally taking a walk down to the liquor store to go get his beer. I mean, I know, that's but pretty but, much all it is. But it's got so much but in there. Here, here's the thing. It's, here's it's the like, thing. Is is it is it resonates so well with that demographic for where he was? It suits what he's doing. Like the the people he's speaking to, the people he's resonating with. That's exactly what they're doing. But the reason why I never connected with Sublime is more of a personal thing. Is I never been able to relate to that demographic of a group. 
Sure. That, that is why. No, I, I get it. And then on a more technical standpoint, because I listen to a ton of roots, yeah. like Upsetters, Desmond Decker, even that's kind of more like old school ska, Gregory Isaacs okay. and Bunny Whaler. Like I listen to a lot of that stuff. And in fact, I even love the police. I love the police. I think they're a great band, but even the police are a different breed of reggae rock than Sublime. I would actually even say that Sublime more often would entertain a little bit of the rootsy flavor more than police, even though Stuart Copeland, in my opinion. You hear him talking. You hear him talking right. about that. Yeah. You know, where he's sounding off and, you know. Sting doesn't really play that much like a reggae bassist. He's he, not going to go, bop, bop, at the end no, of the song. No, no, he doesn't. And he's but not going to talk to Jaw. To me, to me, so. Stuart is the most reggae member in the band than Sting and um, Andy. And I, and I like what they do. But when it comes to Sublime, they are more rootsy. What about Peter Tosh? Peter Tosh wasn't in any of those bands. You're messing with me. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> You're funny. <laughs> no, so. <laughs> I'm trying to get back into Sublime. No, well, I was, I was just about to go back to that. So with Sublime, they did the root sound. But I think why I didn't resonate as much with it is because I kind of knew a lot of the tricks in the book when a lot of these 90s bands would, like 311, they would entertain the reggae sound. They didn't try to get into it as much. They had their no, own thing going though too. I, so my opinion is I preferred like I that. preferred Sublime when and you're gonna hate me for this when they would do the punk stuff. I think they did it well. I think of they course. did it very well. You and wanna you wanna go back further than that? Sure. How about how about some Beastie Boys? What? <laughs> Are you kidding me right now? Hey, they those guys had a lot of hits that had no words in it whatsoever. Yeah. In my in, in my book. I like Beastie that stuff, Boys, though. like check your head. I mean, obviously, License to Ill was the start of the whole thing. But then you get into, like, Check Your Head, mm -hmm. Paul's Boutique, and some of their other albums. And you're like, they've got some, like, melodic, kind of jazz, kind of funk things that had absolutely no words. And they put it together so well. But that was their thing. And I respect them for that. What was the foundations of classic hip-hop? Uh, jazz? Yeah. All that jazz stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but they but they did their own thing. They did their own thing. That's true. You know, just like 311 kind of did their own thing. They had like the roots reggae with the punk vibe and then the the hard guitar. And but the I kind think of their I prefer thing. Real Big Fish and Goldfinger over the Sublime Sound because it's a little bit more Really? Up. Yeah, I do. I think I thought they were a little more mainstream, man. They played them on the radio a lot. They did play them a lot, but there's something about that. Third, uh, that version of third wave ska that I could do. In fact, I think I preferred how ska. I mean, how far um, do you want to go back? You want to go back to skeletons? Well, I like 60s. That's old. Like when ska was in its first wave. I like that. So anything from the so 90s. No skeletons for you. Not really. Really? I'm, I'm extremely picky they're, with they're 90s. New stuff, they're new stuff. I agree with you. I'm, I'm not really fond of it, but the early stuff. So reggae is maybe like, it's just because I grew up on it. I used I think, to see I them in the because, garage playing. I think a like, lot of the stuff that you and I resonate and anyone else resonates with is because we grew up with it. Like there are a lot of things that I listen to that I love from my childhood and I still love now. And I'm like, wow, this is really bad, but <laughs> I like it. <laughs> of course, of course, and that should be with any audience and with any. I think that's anyone has music. that. Yeah, we have biases, man. It's it's of funny. Of course, but, of course. But when it comes to when it comes to um, reggae, I consider reggae the same as country. I'm not that big on the modern versions. Like I'm usually bigger on classic country and classic reggae and even classic hip hop than the newer versions. Of course. And by the '90s, reggae had already been around for what thirty years. Public Enemy, 
Oh yeah, like KRS One. Don't get me on what? that. I will get on that NWA, all that stuff. Yeah, of course, dude. I grew up with NWA. You will become a public enemy. Let me finish my thought. <laughs> no, um, but when it comes to the '90s, uh, a good. lot of these rock and roll bands, uh, especially American bands, melding together, and it was happening in the '80s too. But by the '90s, it became a mainstream thing where they would meld together punk and reggae. Like that was like a big thing, no doubt. They were all doing that, and. I like it, but I had to pick and choose which ones that I really liked because I had a hard time liking them all. I either really didn't like them or I really liked them. And Goldfinger and what was it? Real Big Fish were Area 7. No one knows Area 7. You've heard of Mustard Plug? I saw Mustard Plug in concert. It works for me. Spankies. But but the 311 side of that didn't work. And it's funny because Chili Peppers sometimes did that, but they mixed together more funk. With the rock, chili peppers. Than, once again, they yeah. were their own thing. Yeah, you can't really put them in a category because they started the category. But Chili Peppers and Sublime have that trademark California sound from the '90s when you listen to them. Um, supposedly, like supposedly. <laughs> yeah, I know they all live in LA, so. But you know me, I'm big on the the Seattle the stoner sound. <laughs> <laughs> the grunge kingdom, Melvins, yeah, all that stuff. I don't even know if Melvins are from. Where are Melvins from? I don't know. I know that Soundgarden. Soundgarden and, and Nirvana for sure. Pearl Jam. Alice in Chains. Smashing Pumpkins are from Chicago, I think. Smashing Pumpkins are. Yeah. But all of that genre, mm-hmm. most of those people were from uh, the Northwest, man. Yeah, where it's depressing cold. I yeah. just like that stuff. No, we talked a little bit about it, and I talked about it with Jeff as well, but you and I were talking about DI, Agent Orange, some California punk bands. How about that, DRI? DRI? I don't think I've even listened to them. <laughs> now you're going to have to put them on. I will have to put them on. Yeah. Those guys are awesome. We'll do it another time. DRI, Anthrax. Yeah, I think those were all like East Coast, like hardcore stuff, dude. But it was it was all it was all good. I've seen those guys all in concert and they're awesome. Hardcore is the best punk. Yeah. Anthrax did some good stuff, man. They were activists. And uh, they were probably some of the first activists, but they did well, man. They did really well. And I like their stuff. So Anthrax did a full album and it was only like, I don't even remember how many songs it was. It was probably like seven songs. Yeah. But they did it with Public Enemy and they did like a rock rap (laughs) collision. No, it was before like, you know, like Jay-Z and Linkin Park did collision course. I mean, it was like that, dude. And it was, it was hardcore. It was good stuff. Public Enemy and Anthrax. Are you kidding? Like, can you get any better than that? No. I don't Until think so. Until Linkin Park and Jay-Z <laughs> came out. And then it was like, oh, okay, well, now we can do it. So can they do it from that point on is the question. Like, who else is going to freaking get in on the mix? Are they going to get on the mix? I don't know. I guess we'll see. So just as a recap, Sublime are in your top five, right? Sublime's up there, yes. Yes, but Beatles are not. <laughs> no. They're not my top no, 30, so you're fine. You're, no. you're in okay company. It, and you know what? I'm sorry <laughs> if I've... Actually, I'm not sorry. Don't apologize. Anybody, I'm not no, going to apologize need to hear this. Guess what? Uh, no, they're not. They're not. I'm sorry. They've got a lot of good songs. I think that the root of the musical geniusness from there... George Harrison was awesome. Ringo Starr was awesome. John Lennon, I think he was. He's your least favorite. He's your least favorite. 
and you <laughs> he's, know, he's my least favorite whatever too. <laughs> uh but i think paul mccartney is the absolute root to that whole band going same here so well that's know, just a taste because next episode we're going to go more in depth than that cool we're going to talk about the documentary a little bit oh no here yes we, we are go. yes we are Uh-oh. it's going to be good all right i got some more segments to watch then yeah dude <laughs> Yeah, that wraps it up for the 18th episode. It was going to be short. They're all going to be short until I say otherwise. Short so, and sweet. Short and sweet. So you guys tune in. If you guys want to hear us bashing the Beatles and talk well of them, because Paul McCartney's our man. We'll have the mini bats out next episode. <laughs> no, we'll talk. We'll talk about them. We'll just uh, give it to you straight like we always do. But um, that wraps it up. We'll catch up with you next episode. Peace. See you, everyone.